or the, the most important aspect of, of our marriage staying pure is guarding my time. So I want to make sure that, that we have time that's just for us. Accountability, a lot of accountability. Um, a mentor, having a mentor you can bounce stuff off of. I think specifically it's just always been accountability. Say you have uh, boyfriends or girlfriends that are going, yeah, my wife does this, 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 and this, and then you start thinking, well, my wife doesn't do those things. If you start using comparisons of your spouse to somebody else's, you're gonna lose. You're not gonna, it's, you're not gonna be comparing apples to apples for sure. Well, Merry Christmas, Orchard Church. <laughs> Welcome to spring in Colorado, but you made it. Give yourselves a hand. We're glad you're here this morning. Good to have you guys. We actually had like 300 in our 830 service, so that was pretty amazing. But hey, we want to say a special thank you to all of those who showed up at like 6 a.m. this morning to clear the walks and help us set up. Can we just thank them this morning? We really appreciate their help. So we could have service today. A lot of churches had to cancel, but praise God, we're able to have all three. Take out your Bibles this morning if you haven't already. Your mobile devices turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Hebrews 13, 4. Today we are in week three of our series called From This Day Forward, where we're looking at making five commitments to fail-proof our marriages, or if we're single and hoping to be married someday, to better prepare for marriage, to have healthy uh, biblical marriages that are God-honoring marriages. And so we're looking at these five commitments. You have them there in your notes. Now, you may have noticed this morning, you have some notes on the back of your newsletter, like normal, and then inside your newsletter, make sure you find that, there's another half sheet of notes, and it's a different message. Here's the good news. I'm not going to preach two messages in one week. And everybody said... Amen, okay? But I decided to flop these, all right? So I called an audible. So we're actually today going to do the one that's inside your newsletter on the white piece of paper. So that's the notes for today. We're going to talk about how to stay pure. But let's, uh, by way of review, let's review our five commitments. We're going to put them on the screen. You can take notes in there. We're making five uh, commitments to fail-proof our marriage from this day forward. We're going to help me out, church. We're going to seek God. We're going, let's say them together. We're going to seek God. We're going to learn to fight fair. We're going to have have fun. We're going to stay pure and never give up. And I know some of you guys are writing down, so I'm going to give you another chance to do those because that was pretty pathetic. I'm going to give you another chance. Let's say them together. We're going to make five commitments to do what? We're going to seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. And again, if you've got questions during this series, uh, please put those on your connection card just in the other box. You don't even have to put your name on them. Have fun with it. Turn those in. At the end of this series, we're going to take a week and we're going to answer all your questions. Some of you have already sent us some great questions, so be ready to do that as well today. Let me ask you this by a show of hands as we get started today, because we're going to talk about how to stay pure in our marriage. That's our message today, our commitment, staying pure. How many of you are married today? Raise your hand. Let me hear from all the married people that are happily married happily married okay put your hands down how many singles we got singles that hope to maybe one day be married raise your hands singles raise them up nice and high nice and high keep them up singles look around we're doing this every week for you singles to help you maybe make some uh, spiritual connections we're trying to help you out uh, as as singles now let me ask you this question all right think about this long and hard those of you that are married or those of you that hope to be married someday by a show of hands how many of you when you're married or if you are married you plan on having an affair committing adultery at some point in your marriage anybody like that no okay hopefully no hands all right let me ask this how many of you uh, that when you get married someday you plan on getting addicted to pornography that's that's your plan you're saying I'm going to get 
get addicted to pornography when I'm married. I think that might help my marriage, okay? I don't see any hands there either. How many of you would say, when I'm married someday or I get married, we'll lower the bar a little bit. I plan on having an emotional affair. You know, somebody at work, somebody on Facebook. That's, that's my plan someday. Anybody? Any takers? Okay, isn't that interesting? Nobody raised their hand to any of those three things that are married or plan to get married someday. But here's what's sad. Statistics say that 70% of marriages will experience one or more of those three things. 70%. And God is very concerned about purity in our marriage. Purity matters to God and it matters to our marriages. If you would agree with that, say yes. And so today I want you to turn, you're you're there to Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to begin in verse 4. And this is what it says. The writer of Hebrews has some things to say about purity in our marriage. And it says this. We'll put it on the screen as well. Give honor to what? Church, help me out. Give honor to marriage and remain what? Faithful to one another in marriage. Honor marriage, honor God, and remain faithful in marriage because God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, let me ask this question. This is not a trick question. By a show of hands, how many of you believe that adultery in marriage is wrong? You believe that adultery in marriage is wrong? Raise them up. Wow, amazing. Almost every hand is up. There was a study that was done recently that here in America, 90% of people, whether Christian or non-Christian, believe that adultery is wrong. 90% of Americans believe that. But University of California did a study a few years ago, and they found this, amazing, that from 1998 to 2008, in one decade, one 10-year period, from 98 to 2008, adultery doubled in the United States among marriages. It doubled. 90% of us say it's wrong, and yet adultery doubled. So we're going to talk about that today. The first thing you have in your notes is why is impurity in marriage increasing? I I mean, it's a statistical fact that adultery and affairs are increasing in marriage, but why? And let me give you three suggestions. One is I believe there are more temptations today than in the past. If you agree with that, say yes. I mean, there's more temptations today and opportunities than in the past. I mean, with the invention of the World Wide Web and the Internet, I mean, it can be a wonderful tool, but it can also be a dangerous tool. And people have the ability to connect with people in ways today that in the past they just didn't have the ability to do. I mean, there have been probably more affairs that have started because of Facebook than anything else. And I don't, I'm not against Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I have an account. It's not Facebook's fault. It's our fault, but there's people reconnecting with old flames, you know, old boyfriends, old girlfriends, and I mean, leaving marriages after 20, 25, 30 years because of somebody they've reconnected with. It's just easier today. The temptations are more prevalent than in the past. There's actually entire websites that you can sign up for to cheat on your spouse in a discreet way, and you can sign up for those things. Um, I think we all know the problem of pornography today and how accessible it is, especially with the internet and with these little devices devices right here, our cell phones. I mean, uh, being real, back in the day when I was a kid, if you wanted to see, you know, some pornography, a Playboy magazine, you had to, you know, ask your best friend to steal from his dad's stash that's under his bed. Today, all you need is one of these guys. And you can look at anything, anytime, anywhere. I heard one uh, guy was sharing very honestly about his struggle with pornography today. And, and praise God, God has given him victory over that. And he's conquered that in his life. But he said, you know, when I got one of these cell phones, a smartphone, he said it was like somebody put a drug dealer in my home. 
I mean, it's so easy. It's so accessible. So that's one of the problems that leads to unfaithfulness and impurity in marriages today and why it's increasing. Here's another reason. Um, and this one might surprise you why I would say this, but let me explain it. I think another reason impurity in marriage is increasing today is because people are getting married later today. People are waiting a lot longer to get married. Now, in and of itself, that's not really an issue or a problem. I mean, you definitely want to make sure you, you find the right person that God has for you. But the, the fact is that more people are waiting longer. They're dating more people. They're having more partners. And they're not just dating to try to find their spouse. They're acting like they're already married. They're doing married people stuff. You know, they're having naked gymnastics under the covers. <laughs> if you know what I mean. But they're not married. And so people are living together, they're having sex before marriage, and then when they, it doesn't work out, they just leave that person, they move out, and they jump in with somebody else, say, oh, you're the one for me. I mean, really, you're the 16th one, but you're the one this time. And, and then what they're doing is they get involved in these relationships, they live together like they're married, they sleep together like they're married, and then when it doesn't work out, they bail out, and you know what they're really doing? They're practicing divorce. And then it's no wonder that when people finally settle down and they get married, when it doesn't work out, they just bail out because that's what they've been conditioned to do. And that's what they, many people have, have done most of their life. Um, I read one uh, study that said the number one reason that dating couples today are breaking up, the number one reason dating couples are breaking up is because they're being cheated on, cheating on. And so we're, we're training ourselves for unfaithfulness. And so one of the problems because of impurity today is increasing in marriages is because people are waiting longer to get married and they're trying to pretend and do married things. Let me say this to the singles. Um, this is a marriage series, but it's also to prepare singles for marriage. And let me just say this to you singles today. The best way to prepare for a pure marriage tomorrow is to live a pure life today. I appreciate one amen, one person that agrees, one spiritual person in the crowd today. Let me say that again, single people. Those of you that are married, I think you would agree with this. The best way to prepare for a pure marriage tomorrow is to live a pure life today, to have purity in, in your life. Yeah, oh, you can even clap. That's okay. Somebody wanted to clap. All right, the, the, I told you guys, the better you respond, the better I preach. Now listen, as, as we, I'm just going to challenge you guys and, and tell you this and warn you. This is a tough message today. This is, this is a tough one. It can be very convicting. And my goal today is not to make people feel bad, not to feel guilt and to feel shame. I believe those are the tools of the enemy of the devil. And, and some of you today already right now, you're feeling uncomfortable. You're feeling awkward because you've messed up in, in this area of your life. There was a time in my life where I messed up royally in this area before I met my wife Shelly 23 years ago. And our goal today is not to make people feel guilty and ashamed because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And what we're talking about is from this day forward, you can make a decision to make purity a part of your life, whether you're single or whether you're married. That's the name of our series. From this, help me church, from this day forward. It doesn't matter what happened last night, last week, you can make a decision today. I'm going to live a pure life from this day forward. Amen? So that's what we're talking about. Here, let me give you a third reason. Why is impurity in marriage increasing? Here's a third reason. There's a growing sense of entitlement today. There's a growing sense of entitlement. We see it in our school systems. We see it in the workplace. But we also see it in marriage. People get married today. They have all these high expectations of how this person is going to meet all their needs, which is impossible because they're human and, they're, and only God can meet all of our needs. We talked about that in week one. when We talked about seeking God. But we get into marriage, and when our needs aren't met, we say, well, my needs are not being met. She's not meeting my sexual needs. He's not meeting my emotional needs. I deserve to have my needs met. I'm entitled to have my needs met. So if they're not going to meet my needs, I'm going to find somebody who will. 
And so people bail out to try to have their needs be met. So how can we reverse this? How can we reverse the trend that 70% of marriages are experiencing some type of impurity? I want to talk to you today from the Word of God about two types of impurity, or, or two types of purity, how we can get impurity out, inward and outward purity. We're going to talk about inward purity, and we're going to talk about outward purity. First of all, let's talk about inward purity. This is purity of the heart. Inward purity, purity of the heart. Everybody say the heart. The heart. You see, we, we often look at the act of unfaithfulness, adultery, cheating, and we think that's the problem. But that's not where it started. All sin begins and is born in the same place. It's born inside of us. It's born in our heart. The Bible says our heart is wicked, it's deceitful above everything else, and, and, and it's, it's going to lead us astray every time. So we have to start with purity of the heart. Purity starts in the heart. You'll remember that. Purity starts in the heart. You see, there's, there's a progression. We, we tend to look at this, you know, unfaithfulness, this adultery, this outward act. But if you trace it back, here's what you'll find every time. It started with a look, and then a line is crossed. And then, it, and then it's a thought, and a line is crossed. You know, and, and then it's a flirt, and a line is crossed. And then it's, hey, let's go to lunch, and a line is crossed. Let's go to a movie, a, a line is crossed. It's a fantasy, and a line is crossed. No, nobody, most people don't just wake up and go, you know what? I think I'm going to be unfaithful on my spouse today. I'm going to commit. Today seems like a good day to have an affair and commit adultery and totally mess up my marriage. It starts way back before in the heart. If you agree, say yes. So we've got to start where God would start, which is in the heart. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 Verse 9, the psalmist, young David, wanted to live a pure life. And he lived in a society like ours where there were a lot of temptations. And so here's what he said. He asked this question. How can a young person stay what? Church, help me out. Pure. Is there any way that we can beat the odds and the statistics today and have pure lives and pure marriages? And he answers it. Here's how. By obeying your what? Word. The Word of God is the answer to purity in our life. Purity starts in the heart. It starts with the Word of God. He says, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your Word in my what, church? In my heart. Why have I hidden God's Word in my heart? That I might not sin against you. If you want to be a pure single person, have a pure marriage, have purity in your marriage that honors God and honors your marriage, you have to pour the Word of God into your heart and into your life. This is why here at Orchard Church, the Word of God takes center stage every week. This is why we disciple people in the Word of God. This is why we talk about the Word of God in our small groups. Because the Word of God is what changes lives, it changes hearts. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the washing of the water of the Word. That when those impurities and sins start to creep up in our life, the way to wash those away is by taking the Word of God in and memorizing the Word of God and letting it pour over our hearts and over our lives because purity starts in the heart and it starts with the Word of God. If you're with me, say yes. I know you guys are going to be quiet a lot today because it's a tough message, but I'm going to ask you to respond. You know, a great example of the importance and power of God's Word and purity starting in the heart is Jesus himself. Now, now let me remind you this. Temptation is not a sin. I think some people think just because they're tempted that they've sinned. Jesus himself was tempted, but did Jesus ever sin? No. 
The, the, the sin is when we give in to the temptation. And we don't have time to go read it, but you can check it out later. Go to the Gospels and read the story about where Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He fasted and he prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the enemy, Satan, shows up and he tempted him three times. And he said, man, Jesus, you, you got to be hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. You have the power to turn these stones you know, into bread. And what did Jesus immediately do? He didn't argue with him. He didn't debate with him. He quoted the word of God. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And all three times in that story, Jesus tempted three times, and all three times he quoted the word of God. And after the third time, what happened? Satan, the devil, the enemy, he left him. I would say this, church, if it's good enough for Jesus and it worked for him, I think it can work for us. Amen? Are you hiding God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. Purity starts in the heart. It starts inside by the washing of the water of the word. It means we've got, and if we're gonna hide God's word in our heart, it means we've gotta memorize God's word. We gotta know what it says. And all three times, Jesus quoted scripture that was directly related to the temptation. You know, I've shared this at times with people and they're like, a guy's like, okay, so I just need to memorize the word of God and next time, you know, hottie with the body walks by, I just quote the word of God. Jesus wept, Jesus wept, Jesus wept. Okay, no, no, it's gotta be, be, it's got to match the temptation. You know, Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. You know, you quote the word of God that directly relates to the temptation. The heart matters when it comes to purity. Jesus said it this way in Matthew. We can put that on there, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with what? Lust has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. The heart matters when it comes to purity. We have to begin with inward purity, purity of the heart. And Jesus said, if a man even looks, and we could say if a woman even looks at a guy and lusts in his heart, he's committed adultery already in his heart. Now notice he doesn't just say, you know, anyone who, who looks at a woman has committed adultery. He, he says, if you look with lust. I heard it said this way, you can look, guys, but don't linger. You can look, but don't linger. Because when you linger, it can begin to get into the area of lust. Uh, I heard uh, one wife say it this way. The first look is free. The second one is going to cost you. Right, ladies? Amen? First look is free. The second one is going to cost you. Because that's where sin is born. That's where impurity starts. It starts with a thought. look. It starts with a thought. It starts with a fantasy. Purity starts in the heart. And the answer and the remedy is the word of God. Memorizing the word of God. Hiding God's word in our heart that we might not sin against God. Now let's talk about the second kind of purity. We've talked about inward purity, purity of the heart. Let's talk about outward purity. This would be the behavior, the actual action, outward purity. How do we honor God in our marriage? How do we stay pure? How do we stay faithful? Practically, how does this work in our life? And so that we're not unfaithful. We don't commit adultery. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3. He said, let there be a little bit of sexual immorality. Let there be a small amount. Is that what he said? No, no. Help me out, church. Let there be no. Okay, that was like three of you. Help me out, church. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, that's what we're talking about, or greed among you. Why? Because such sins have no place among God's people. We're talking to God's people. We're talking to people who are Christians, who want to live pure, uh, God-honoring lives, Christian marriages, having God-honoring marriages. And he says, let there be no sexual immorality, no impurity. Some of your translations will say, let there not even be a hint 
of sexual immorality in your marriage that could destroy it. Let me break this down a little bit because people define sexual immorality in a lot of different ways today. What is sexual immorality? You know, what falls under sexual immorality? It's anything that is outside of God's word and God's design for marriage. Anything. Because no matter what, you know, even though this may not be politically correct, we are always going to ask, our number one value here at Orchard Church is not what does society say, not what does culture say, not what does politics say, what does the Bible say? Amen? I mean, that's what we want to be known for. What does the Bible say? And my Bible says that God created man and God created woman in the image and likeness of God. He created them to be married and that sexual intimacy is to take place inside of marriage between a man and a woman. That is God's plan A. There is no plan B. I'm going to give you a little time to respond to that, okay? Now, anything outside of that, according to God's standards, he makes the rules, he made us and he makes the rules, anything outside of that is sexual immorality. And that includes a lot of things. Let, let, me, let me ask you some questions. Is, so if that is God's design and that is God's plan, that a sex is for inside of marriage between a husband and wife, is premarital sex sexual immorality? Yes. Is extramarital sex with someone that's not your spouse immorality, sexual immorality? Would you say that pornography is sexual immorality? You know, looking at someone that's not your spouse and having lustful thoughts? I think we would agree with that. Is an emotional affair, giving your heart to someone else emotionally that's not your spouse, is that sexual immorality? I believe it is. And, and also, would having sex with someone who is of the same sex, sexual immorality? Oh, now don't be getting quiet on me now. According to the Bible, yes. But all of those fall... Anything outside of God's design for marriage between a husband and wife is considered sexual morality. And what does Ephesians 5, 3 say? Let there be no sexual immorality among God's people. And then he gives another word. Not only that, there be no impurity. And that's what we're talking about. You know, keeping the marriage pure, staying pure. This word impurity comes from the Greek word akatharsia. And it's, it's kind of where we derive our word arsenic. It means poison. Let there be no even hint of poison in our marriages, in our relationships. That anytime there's any sexual immorality, even a hint of it or impurity, it's like poison to our marriage. It's like poison to our relationship. We're not talking about like, okay, you're drinking a glass of water and a little bit of dust falls in there. And you don't know. We're talking like somebody comes along and they put a drop of arsenic or cyanide in your water. How many drops of poison would someone have to put in your water before you're like, ah, oh, I think I'll pass? One drop is enough, right? That's that's what we're talking about here. God, I don't want there to be any sexual immorality. I don't want there to be any poison in your marriage that can destroy it. We're not talking like you're getting ready to eat your dinner and you know your corn kind of mixes with your potatoes and that really bothers you and now you don't want to eat it. We're not talking about it. We're talking like you're getting ready to eat your meal and your cat jumps up on your table and takes a squat and does diarrhea on your potatoes. Do I have your attention now? That's the kind of poison that we're talking about. Y'all like, why are you always picking on cats? I've, I've never had my dog jump up on my table. But I've seen cats. I've been at some of y'all's houses and seen the cats jump up on the table. And you're, listen, this may be gross, but you're going to remember this. That's how God sees this. You're not going to eat it. Ah! The goal is not how close can we get to the edge and not fall over the cliff. The goal is not how much poison can we allow into our marriage before it destroys it. 
The goal is that there's no impurity. There's no poison. There's no sexual immorality. There's no cat diarrhea making its way into this marriage. You're going to remember that. So next time, guys, the hottie with the body goes by, you take that first look and you're tempted to take that second look. Cat diarrhea. She's cat diarrhea. Ladies, next time that guy at work is flirting with you and he's always joking with you and he's complimenting you on your hair and your husband never compliments you on your hair and you just love how he makes you feel, cat diarrhea. He's cat diarrhea, okay? You're going to remember that. That's what we're talking about. Now, the goal is there's no sexual immorality. We don't want anything poisoning our marriage and what God has brought together, amen? amen. You're going to remember that. You say, what did we learn at church today? We learned about cat diarrhea, okay? It's poison. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, and he was writing to the church in Corinth, and he's writing and he's talking to believers. I mean, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, live however you want to live. But I, I would say there's still consequences and good luck trying to live this life and have a godly marriage without God in your marriage. But we're talking to Christians, Christian marriages, Christian couples, Christian singles. Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth which was one of the most carnal, um, sexually immoral cultures and societies of his day. Much like the society we live in today. And he's trying to help them be pure. And here's what he says to them. And some people say, I can't understand the Bible. If you can understand this first word, you can understand how to keep your marriages and lives pure. Let's say it together, church. Run. Can you understand run? Run from what? Sexual sin. Run, forest, run. I mean, we could close up shop right there. If we would all just apply that to our lives and our marriages, that we would run from sexual sin, we would save ourselves a lot of heartache, wouldn't we? We would save a lot of marriages and relationships if we would run, not to, but from sexual sin. Why? Why is this so important, especially if you're a believer in Jesus Christ? Here's why. Because Paul said, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by who, church? By God. You do not belong to yourself. You say, it's my life, I can live however I want. Not if you're a Christian. You gave your life to God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. His son was sacrificed on a cross for you. So you must what? Say it, church. Honor God with your body. And by honoring God with your body, you can also honor your marriage or your future marriage with your body. The standards are different for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We're to run from sexual sin. Now, what does this practically look like? To say, I want to have a marriage today or I want to have a marriage someday when I get married that has no impurity, no immorality, no poison, no cat diarrhea. And I want to run from this. And I want to be as practical as I can be. And, and this is going to look different probably for some of you than maybe it looks for me. But I, I want to share some things with you that I've done in my life. Some of our pastors on our team have done. You might think they're a little overboard, a little crazy. But it helps us to run from sexual sin. One of the things that we have done as a staff is we do not counsel anyone of the opposite sex alone. We just don't do it. We don't want that temptation to be there. And you say, well, are you that tempted, Pastor Doug? No, most of the time I'm not. But here's the deal. I don't even want somebody to be able to make an accusation against me, even if I'm innocent. The Bible says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. 
So that's just a decision that we've made among our staff. We don't counsel someone of the opposite sex. If I'm counseling another lady or talking to somebody, I'm making sure my wife is there or another pastor is there, someone's there. I don't go to lunch with someone of the opposite sex, just me and that person alone. Now, we'll sometimes go as a staff, but not me and just the opposite sex. I don't travel, you know, with the opposite sex alone. Um, and I know for some of you, as I'm saying this, you that are business people, this is a challenge for you. You have to have business lunches with the opposite sex. Maybe you even have to travel at times. And you're, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but you know what? Here's what I believe. If you want to stay pure, you'll find a way to stay, stay pure. If you want to be accountable, you'll find a way to be accountable. You know, make sure your spouse knows, hey, I'm meeting with this person. Here's when it starts. Here's where it ends. Try to meet in public places. You, you're going to find a way. Uh, we keep windows on all of our offices for accountability. Uh, there's one of our offices that doesn't have an office. And if, and if that person's meeting with someone, they keep the door open. Uh, uh, people have access to our laptops. They know our passwords. Um, I know other people that have done things like, because Facebook can be a real problem today. A lot of affairs have started on Facebook. So people, I know couples that have joint Facebook accounts as a couple. You know, I'm not saying you have to do that, but you know, maybe it would work for you. So you, you see what's going on in the interactions. Um, my wife and I, Shelly, we, we have shared passwords. We know each other's passwords. She can get into my stuff. I can get into her stuff. And you know what? But here's the deal. And I, I'm just trying to talk to you like we're sitting across the table from each other. Like it's just you and I, even though I know there's a few other hundred people in the room. If you want to find a way to mess up, you can mess up. Isn't that true? You can put all the accountabilities in the world, but if you want to find a way to be impure, you're going to find a way to be impure. So here's one that a lot, especially today, you know, with the devices we have and things like that, here's, here's a suggestion a lot of people are doing that they're getting an accountability partner. So a man has another man that's an accountability partner that periodically they sit down and say, how are you doing in the area of purity? Have you looked at anything you shouldn't? You know, are you having any emotional affairs? Ladies have an accountability partner. I, would, I know some people say, well, my spouse is my accountability partner. I don't think that's the best idea. You need somebody that loves you, cares about you, not going to judge you, not going to condemn you, but pray for you, even if you mess up at times. Say, okay, you messed up, we all mess up, but from this day forward, we're going to do better. Amen. And you have somebody, you sit down, you meet with that accountability partner, and so that you look somebody eye to eye because you say, my desire is not to see how close I can get to the line without falling over, but I want purity. I want integrity. You know, and you're not going to meet with your accountability partner at lunch at Hooters, okay? That kind of defeats the purpose, all right? You, you're going to pick the right place. Because the goal is we don't want any poison finding its way into our marriages that might destroy it. Amen? Amen. Does that help you? Okay. Let me talk to uh, singles for a second about purity. Um, those of you that are, that, are, that are single. Because again, if you want a pure marriage someday, you must make a choice to live a pure life today. I told you this in the first message. Be the person you're looking for is looking for. If you want a godly person, you've got to be a godly person. So this is a fair question that gets asked by singles all the time who are dating and they're not yet married. I was a student pastor uh, for 10 years in ministry before I became you know, a lead pastor of a church and so this would come up when I would talk about purity among our students and this was always the question how far help me out is too far so when you're dating you're not married and you want to stay sexually pure how far is too far first base second base third base you know how far is too far well there's an awesome verse in the Bible that will really help you 
and you will never forget this, that I think really sets a great standard on purity, especially if you're single, if you're a teenager. I see some teenagers in here, young people. And you say, how far is too far? I want to honor God. I want to live a pure life today, so I'm a pure marriage someday. What do I do? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a young man he was discipling named Timothy. And Timothy was a pastor of a church, and he was a single guy. He wasn't married. So it was important that he remain pure. And so this is what the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy to give him advice about purity. He said, first of all, Timothy, treat older women in your church as you would your mother. That's good advice, isn't it? Treat the older women like you would your mom. Respect them, honor them, love them, care for them. And then he says, and treat the younger women, the single women, with all what? Purity. How do I do that? As you would your own sisters. He says, if you want to remain pure and you want to know how far is too far, Timothy, you just treat the single younger women in your church the way that you would treat your sister. And this also practically applies, ladies, like you would treat your brother. Let's unpack this just a little bit. Would I hold hands with my sister? Yeah, I probably would. Would, would I put my arm around my sister because I love her and I care about her? Yeah, I would probably do that. Would, if I haven't seen my sister in a long time, would I give her a, an embrace and a hug? And, and I might even give her a peck on the cheek, maybe even just a real quick on, on the lips, you know, if you're really close to your sister. Would I, would, would I do those things with my sister? Yeah, I might would do those things with my sister. Would I play tonsil hockey with my sister? With my sister? Not unless you're from Kentucky. I said a different state in the last service, and I saw someone come in with a t-shirt with that on, so I had to change it up, because it's not offense. So if you're from Kentucky, I, I'm sorry. You know, but th doesn't that kind of set the bar, amen? Listen, parents, share that with your teenagers. You know, what would you do with your sister? What would you do with your brother? That right there sets the bar pretty well for us if we want to remain pure. It's important to God and our marriage that we focus on inward and outward purity. As we wrap this up uh, this morning, the truth is this, no matter how hard we try to be pure, we all fail at times. Amen? We all do. I, I certainly have. You know, before I met Shelly, I failed miserably in this area of my life. And so, there's three responses to this message today that some of you may be feeling. Three responses to impurity. The first one is this, defensiveness. You can hear a message like this say, well, you know, oh, come on, Pastor Doug, you know, get with the times. Boys will be boys. The guys will be guys. Or you, you might say, well, if she would meet my needs, I wouldn't have to look somewhere else. If he would meet my needs, I wouldn't have to look somewhere else. Hey, we're just friends anyway. It's no big deal. You know, it's my computer. It's my life. It's nobody else's business. And you can be defensive. But let me just tell you, the, the Bible has a word for that, and it's called pride. And the Bible says that God will destroy the house of the proud. It's very difficult, if not impossible, for God to work in the heart and lives of someone who's defensive in pride and has pride. Here's another response. It's kind of the opposite extreme to a message like this. If maybe you've messed up in this area. It's remorse. Oh, I'm so horrible. I'm such a failure. I feel so much shame. I feel so much guilt. I'm just a victim. I, I've tried. I've screwed up way too many times than I can count in this area of my life. So why should I even try to change? And we just feel remorse. But the problem is if you feel that way, you say, what's the use? I, I, I can never get victory over this. And so I might as well just keep doing it. And that is the tool and the enemy of Satan. That's what he uses in our life. But there's a third response, which is the godly response that can bring us victory, and that is repentance. 
It's simply repentance. Repentance is saying, I've messed up in this area of my life. I, I've, I've been wrong in this area of my life. And we say, you know, God, I need you to forgive me. Maybe to our spouse, I need you to forgive me. I, God, I need your help. I need your healing. I want to have victory. And you know what? God can always work with that. Amen? God can always work with that. And let me just say this. This is a tough message today. Some of you may go home, and not only do you need to, first, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to, to make a confession to your Lord and Savior, to God, to heal you, and he will. But you also need to confess to your spouse. And that can be very difficult. And if, if, if any of you have your spouse come clean in some of these things, I hope you'll offer them the same thing that Jesus Christ has offered you which is love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Because, you know, if somebody's willing to admit something like that, that's not easy. That's hard. Amen? Amen. And so, listen, let's, let's let, allow this to be a healing thing, not a damaging thing. But the, the response that God wants to see is godly sorrow, repentance. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us where? Away from sin. It doesn't lead us to be defensive about our sin. It doesn't leave, leave us being remorseful to wallow in our sin. The, the godly sorrow leads us away from sin. It results in salvation. And not just salvation spiritually, but saving us from whatever is holding us down. Saving us from those addictions. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks what? Repentance results in spiritual death. That's what God is looking for, repentance. A change. A change of heart. A change of mind. A change of direction. And here's the good news. No matter what you did last night, last week, last month, maybe this is something you've been struggling in your life for a long time. If you will come with a humble and repentant heart to your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ, I promise you on the authority of this book, you will find love, you will find grace, you'll find mercy, and you'll find forgiveness. Amen, church? Amen. And you'll find healing and you'll find victory. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, I came to save the world. Jesus said, in, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday, last week, last month. We're making a decision. From this day forward, things are going to be different. Amen? And you know what? If you need a story... Go check it out in the Gospels. Remember the story of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery? And the religious leaders wanted to parade her into the street. And they wanted to throw stones at her and stone her to death for committing the sin of adultery. And Jesus said, let me, let me ask you a question, fellas. Any of you guys that have never sinned in an impure way and committed adultery either physically or in your heart spiritually, then go ahead and throw the first stone. And do you remember what happened? Do you remember the response? One by one, they begin to drop their rocks and they begin to walk away because we've all messed up in this area of our life at some point in some time. And they all walked away and there was nobody left standing there but Jesus and this lady commit, who had committed adultery and he said, where are your condemners now? He said, neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. I love you. I forgive you. I can give you victory and healing over this. But he didn't stop there. What did he say? He said, neither do I condemn you. Now, go... Help me, church, and sin no more from this day forward. That's what we're talking about. From this day forward. I hope some of you will make that same decision. That from this day forward, I'm going to live a life of purity. For God's sake, for my marriage's sake, or my future marriage's sake. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the power that it brings, the conviction, 
the healing, the forgiveness and grace. May you apply it to all of our lives in a very real and personal way this morning. As we continue an attitude of prayer right now, I just want to ask this question. How many of you are here today and you would say, I, I want to honor God in my marriage with purity from this day forward? Those of you that are single, you'd say, I want to live a life of purity today because I want to have a marriage of purity someday. And you'd say, but you know what? If I'm honest, there's some things I need to repent of. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you answered yes to any of those questions, would you just right now spend some time with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Accept his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his healing, and ask him to give you victory in this area of your life from this day forward. For those of you that are here today and as believers are praying all around this auditorium and you'd say, you know what? I'd like to have victory in this area of my life, but I just continue to fail. Maybe one of the reasons is because you don't have Jesus in your life. You don't have his spirit inside of you. I've talked to many people, and before they've accepted Christ, they said, man, I tried and tried to overcome, you know, sexual immorality and impurity and other sins, and I just couldn't do it. You're right, you can't. You need Jesus. The reason God sent a Savior is because we're sinners and we need Jesus. And the good news is today you can open your heart and your life to that Savior. You can open your heart and life to Jesus. And the most important decision you can make today is to simply invite Jesus into your life to give you the power and the strength to do what you can't do on your own. So if that's you today, if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus into your life right now, right where you sit in this place. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? You know who you are. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came to save me. Jesus, I call on you today. I can't do this without you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me to be victorious over the sins and the things that have weighed me down. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and loving me. Thank you. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, you made the greatest decision you could ever make. I'd love the privilege and the honor to pray for you that you would grow from this day forward in your walk and relationship with Jesus Christ that you began today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for a moment but myself. Would you slip up your hand for prayer? Yes, I pray that prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. I'm in it. Several people. God bless you. Thank you. We rejoice in your decision today. Let me pray for all of us. Father, we thank you for the time we've been able to spend together. I thank you for people who've got up and come to church on a snowy day to hear from you, to experience you in their life, Lord. I pray that we'd all walk away today not saying what a great service or great message, but what a great God what a great book, your word, and how it speaks to our lives, and it can bring healing and forgiveness and victory. Thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today, Lord. May we all have a desire from this day forward to keep our marriages pure, and for those that are single that will one day be married, to live pure lives today so that they can enjoy a pure marriage tomorrow. 
and that you give us victory in this area of our life that is so challenging every day, almost every minute of every hour of the day in the society we live in, Lord. And I pray that this would practically find its way in our heart, inwardly and outwardly, for your honor and your glory, and so that we can honor our marriages. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate people accepting Christ, making that decision this morning? Amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ, you raised your hand and said, I prayed that prayer. Um, please let us know about that on your connection card. Check that box that said, I accepted Christ today. Give us your contact information because we want to continue to pray for you. We're going to send you a little book in the mail that will help you in your new journey uh, with Jesus and growing your relationship with Him. If you're a first-time guest this morning, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. Um, I hopefully you filled out your guest connection card inside your newsletter. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. In just a moment, we receive our gifts. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guests guest, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. We'll send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail, so let us know that you're here, uh, first time guest. I'll be hanging out there in the uh, hallway right before you go outside, so if you're new, uh, come by and introduce yourselves. I'd love to meet you guys uh, today. Uh, next week, we're going to pick up the one we were going to do this week. We're going to talk about making the commitment of having fun in our marriage. How many marriages believe it's important to have fun? Okay? We're going to have a lot of fun next Sunday. You do not want to miss next Sunday. Bring someone to be with you. You're going to hear some things from the stage you never dreamed you would hear in church. It will be a PG-13 service. We're going to have a lot of fun in a lot of ways. You don't want to miss it. Whether you're single, you're married, newly married, married a long time. We all can have fun in our marriages. You don't want to miss this next week. But right now, don't go anywhere. Check out some other exciting things that are going on around here at Orchard Church as we give of our gifts and worship to the Lord.